Welcome to the On The Yard Podcast, powered by the R.W. Jones Agency. I'm your host, Ashley Northington, and I'm here to connect you with the trends, news, and events happening across historically black and minority-serving colleges and universities. Tune in each week where we will give you a dose of HBCU leadership and culture, one episode at a time. Hello and welcome to On The Yard. I'm your host, Ashley Northington, and I am super excited because today we get the opportunity to speak with Dr. Carmen Walters, who is president of Tougaloo College. Welcome, Dr. Walters. Thank, Thank you so much. You. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. I am excited to talk to you. So I know that you are really dedicated to telling stories that you know, honor the history and the tradition of Tougaloo, but also do it in ways that propel the institution forward. How are you able to craft this narrative that does both simultaneously? Pays homage to what we used to be, but also looks toward to where we're going. You know, I love that question. Um, I love talking about the history of Tougaloo College. And the history of Tougaloo College 152 years ago was that Tougaloo was the slave plantation. Mm -hmm. And every day I drive down a road where more than 70 slaves walked, tilled the soil, took care of the land. And so that alone propels me to say, we have a responsibility. We have a responsibility to the students today and to the students of the future. Mm -hmm. So it's very easy for me to connect the dots to say, we, in the words of Maya Angelou, we are the hopes and dreams of the slave. And so when I live in that environment mm -hmm. and I see the successes of our students as they leave Tougaloo College and become the doctors and lawyers and therapists and historians and educators, I know that that hope and that dream is still alive. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, there are people who believe like, oh, you know, we, slavery isn't over and people can go to any college they want to now. Why are HBCUs still uh, relevant? What I want to know from you is how do we shift the conversation from one that's focused on proving relevance to highlighting successes, to talking about a track record of amazingness. How do we get people focused on that? You know, I think HBCU presidents, HBCU alums, HBCU faculty, staff, and students, we have moved on. Mm -hmm. We are not trying to prove our relevance. It's those persons who are just discovering us who are asking those questions. But those of us who went to school at an HBCU, teach at an HBCU, lead at an HBCU, hire HBCU graduates, 34% of the educators and the superintendents and the lawyers in the state of Mississippi 
that are African-American went to Tulum College. That's just one institution right. of 107. So the impact is immense. And when we think about the value proposition for the nation, we know who's graduating the most African-American students. It's our HBCUs. So we are no longer stomping our feet saying we are relevant. We're just putting out the data. We're telling our story. We're letting them know uh, the information to those who are new to this idea mm -hmm. about what historically black colleges offer to the nation. Right, right. I love that. We, we don't have to prove it. We just let the receipts tell you. Absolutely. <laughs> we just have the let track record. Let the numbers talk. That's yes. Right. I love that. Tell me a little bit about some of the partnerships that you have that are helping you push Tougaloo College forward. What does that look like for you? You know, our partnership come, comes in, in several ways. Mm -hmm. The first partnership we have is a great partnership with our alumni. Okay. Tougaloo has some of the best, strongest, most powerful alums in the country. When you think about who's fighting for our democracy today after the January 6th insurrection, mm. it's Congressman Benny Thompson who is an alum of Tougaloo College. So our partnership starts with our alumni, mm -hmm. knowing that we are hand in hand leading the college forward. When we think about Derek Johnson, who is the president of NAACP, mm -hmm. he's a Tougaloo alum. And when we think about the first black justice, Supreme Court justice of the state of Mississippi, is a Tougaloo alum. So those are our partners, first and foremost. And then we go on to the next phase of partnerships with universities across the nation. Ivy League universities, Brown University, has been a partner to Tougaloo for 58 years. Mm -hmm. We are celebrating our 60th year in two years. Our students, and this partnership goes, has been so strong and even stronger now. Mm -hmm. So our students who are finished uh, in their sophomore year, they are eligible, if they're going to medical school, many of them are eligible to start taking classes at Brown in the summer of their sophomore year, going all the way through to medical school. Our students get to leave and take semesters there. So you say Brown, UCLA, Tuff, uh, Tufts, and then um, USC. Mm -hmm. There's so many universities, right? And then you go into the businesses, very large companies like a Deloitte or Ingalls Shipbuilding, which is one of the largest shipbuilding companies in the country, the largest employer in the state of Mississippi. Um, so we think about the, the Microsofts and the Apples and all of those companies that we have forged relationships with, TikTok, Netflix, they are not only providing internships for our students, mm -hmm. but they are providing very large gifts to the college financially to support our endowment mm -hmm. and to support our students in scholarships. So the partnerships are significant. And we just did a soft launch of our strategic plan this January. Mm -hmm. We're getting ready this fall to do a very large launch of that strategic plan. And these strategic targeted partnerships from alumni to large business and small are very, very important and very vital to our success. So tell me a little bit more about some of the investments that 
um, donors and corporations are making into to Tougaloo. How is that uh, helping you maybe attract more students? How is it changing your environment or enhancing what you have to offer? I love that question. You know, um, sometimes you can set a goal and it scares you. Mm -hmm. And so for a very small school with 700 students, 4,000 alum, alums, we have set a goal to raise $100 million in five years. Okay. I love it. Okay. Now that's a big goal. Mm -hmm. And I uh, read a book about this big, hairy, audacious goals, right? Mm -hmm. Eags. And you know, there's another author that says, you know, if your goals and your vision doesn't scare you, it's not big enough. Right. And so uh, we think that's that's pretty big for us. Right. Now think about the people we partner with, um, like Brown University, probably with a seven billion dollar right endowment. So when you partner with schools that have endowments of that size, you start to think differently about your situation and where you are. Mm -hmm. And you start to think, surely I can raise a hundred million. Right. They can raise seven billion. Right. And so we've started that with these strategic partnerships. So uh, one of the partnerships that we've developed is with TikTok. Okay. TikTok gave us a million dollars for scholarships. Uh, the Scott Foundation, uh, six million dollars. Uh, the Wallerstein family, four million dollars. Uh, recently, Netflix. $10 million, five for our students while they are at Tougaloo, and then another five when they leave Tougaloo and go to Brown so that their tuition okay. is paid there. Awesome. Um, so those are significant gifts, $2.5 million from an anonymous donor. Then our alums, um, this year we had a very large gala, and um, we changed the script a little bit on our gala. Formally, we would give these plaques for service, mm -hmm. but I decided to coincide with our strategic plan that we would honor philanthropy. Mm. So we honor philanthropy in two ways. We have a business luncheon, which was started prior to me arriving. That is to honor corporations mm -hmm. who give to Tougaloo. But then our gala this year, we changed the perspective we are honoring individual donors. Mm. So if you've given a million dollars or in your lifetime to Tougaloo College, we will induct you into the red jacket circle. And so you have a seal on the code. It's the president's red jacket circle. Uh, you get to have all of these free events on campus. Anything we have, you are the creme de la creme. I love that. And so we went back into the records and we found more than 25 or 30 alums who had given over a million dollars to Tougaloo. Oh, wow. And we found 20 or 30 anonymous donors who said, look, we did that a few years ago. We don't want to be recognized. Wow. We don't want our names out there. Wow. So the first jacket we gave was to the SGA president, and he represented all of the anonymous donors. Oh. And then we gave 20 jackets uh, that night to people from all over the country who had met that um, that threshold. And so we know this year we will have others who will meet that threshold to get the red jacket. I love that. I love that idea. That's yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. So dream with me a little bit. Let's say you get a $100 million check tomorrow. You meet your big, hairy, audacious goal. Yes. yes what do yes. you do with it? First of all, we stock it into the endowment. We work with the donor to say, 
how much of this do you want to be endowed, restricted mm -hmm. for uh, facilities, restricted for scholarships, restricted for. So once we do that piece, we follow the donor's wishes. Mm -hmm. And usually the donor's wishes are going to align with the president's wishes. So I'll tell you what I would do with that. I'd save it for three years. Mm, you want to let the interest grow? I want to let the gains grow mm -hmm. because it's the gains that I want to touch, right. not the $100 million. Right. And so we want that corpus to sit because we need Tougaloo to thrive, yes. not just to survive. Mm -hmm. And then in three years, we would start our economic development plan okay. where we would get donors to come in and match some of these dollars to build facilities and facilities that will bring in revenue. Mm -hmm. So we have over 500 acres of land that we own at Tougaloo. And it's in the richest part of the state and so there are donors and um, not donors, but uh, developers coming to us weekly, monthly oh, wow. to help us develop the land. Oh, so we're working on that plan even now with the board of what we want to do to bring economic development to the entire community mm -hmm. and to the state mm -hmm. and even to the region. Right. One of the things I'd like to have is a very large sports complex mm -hmm. where we have a natatorium because in the state of Mississippi, there are not uh, anything that deals with water and sporting is on the coast. So track teams, from I mean, sporting teams from high schools don't really have a place to use for their championships and things like that. And we want to be able to draw other championships to the region mm -hmm. of Mississippi, Alabama, and Louisiana. Mm -hmm. So we think the vision is big for some of the things we want to do. Another thing we're working on is a big project with the Episcopal Church. Okay. I've been meeting with Bishop Michael Curry. Do you know who that is? I don't, but I think I need to find out. Let me tell you, Bishop Michael Curry is the gentleman who married the Duke and the Duchess of oh, England. Oh, yes. Okay. So he has a beautiful vision for his legacy, and he wants Tougaloo to be engaged in that legacy, along oh, with wow. some other partners of building a race, equity, and justice center, a retreat center, sort of like the Aspen retreat center oh. and bringing people from all over the world to come and study what we do around race equity and justice and even uh, peace equity and peace like with uh, uh, with the Ukraine war mm -hmm. and how do we study that and how do we get students from Tougaloo, Mississippi, who are coming from Chicago and California, talking to kids in France and Ukraine about the Ukrainian war? Right. And what effects that have mm -hmm. on the future of our country? How does that affect the United States and its future? So we are very excited about that. We've done the first feasibility study mm -hmm. for that center. I'm excited. And we are working on our next, our phase two for that. That is awesome. Uh, and you know, Tougaloo's name is Choctaw for two streams that converge. Okay. And the two streams are academic rigor and social justice. Mm -hmm. So this is why that center fits very well at Tougaloo College. Uh, the Freedom Riders, uh, took safe haven at Tougaloo mm -hmm. during the, the, the civil rights movement in Mississippi. So you cannot discuss 
the civil rights movement of the state of Mississippi, one of the hardest areas mm -hmm. without discussing Tougaloo. Right. And so this is why Tougaloo was selected to do this work. That is awesome. Isn't that amazing? It is. That That's absolutely phenomenal. Yes. I cannot wait to see what comes of that and to absolutely. look at all that. That's going to be phenomenal. Yeah. So speaking of like justice, you know, there's a lot of conversation in higher education generally to think about what what equity looks like, yes. what justice looks like, what does that look like for students? How do we, you know, dismantle barriers of, of oppression? What does justice look like um, at Tougaloo? How is Tougaloo actively preparing, engaging students to be sort of agents of change? I love that question. I really do because that is the heartbeat of Tougaloo. When I talk about social justice at Tougaloo, I say that is our red thread and our tapestry. Mm -hmm. uh, because of all the things I've shared already with the civil rights right. movement and becoming a slave plantation, moving all the way through that whole freedom movement. So at the murders of George Floyd, I wanted to do something um, I wanted to do something different. Mm -hmm. And so I met with a couple of team members to say, let's really have a place where people can come and be served around justice okay. and, and have answers to questions. And how do I register to vote? And how do I do? And so we have an alum, Justice um, Anderson. He's the first, the only black Supreme Court justice. He has given to Tougaloo for more than 30 years. He's supported. Mm -hmm. So our pre-law program is named after him, Ruben V. Anderson pre-law program. So we decided to launch the Ruben V. Anderson Institute for Social Justice. Mm. And that institute houses pre-law, we added public policy, okay. and we added leadership. Because we want our students to understand it's not enough to protest. Right. That's right. Policy has to change. Yes. And so we needed them to study public policy to say, how do we change laws? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because that's where it begins. It's no longer legal for you to tell me I can't wear my hair with braids. Right. It's no longer legal. And I'm an African-American woman who worked for a boss who said to me after I had paid $1,500 to have my hair braided, you know you can't wear your hair to work that way. So I have experienced that personally in my career. So I understand when the disgust to think that in 2022, we right. still have to have that conversation. So it's, it's laws that need to change. So we did the, the public policy and we did leadership. Leadership meaning you have to know who you are, the power that you have, and you gotta understand that you need to be in the room when they're discussing the ingredients of the pie. Mm -hmm. Not trying to get your piece to the pie. Mm -hmm. And so that leadership development is all about understanding how business works and how politics works mm -hmm. and how you fit and where you fit and your own power in your voice. And the power you have once you graduate from an HBCU like Tougaloo College. And you can look at the power you have when you can call the President of the United States to task. Right. Okay? So that's what we did. And then we started raising money 
around that to support that vision. And so we got a $500,000 grant uh, from the Mellon Foundation to write our social justice soft uh, uh, curriculum so that students can get a degree uh, in social justice as they get their minor in pre-law. We started a partnership with um, the Honorable Eric Holder. He seeded $10,000 into our public policy program uh, and allowed us to use his name to raise $50,000 to get the curriculum going for our public policy. So it is now the Eric Holder Public Policy Program, and we still have donors giving into that. And then the leadership program is the Benny G. Thompson Leadership yes. Development Program, because he is the, he is the leader of today that's changing the trajectory of democracy. That is amazing. There's so much phenomenal stuff yes. happening. Yes. That's incredible. Like, yes. I'm so excited for you. That's <laughs> amazing. And so now you see how I can tie the past to the future. Yes. So that's that's Tugalu's motto. It's Tugalu College, where history meets the future. Yes. That's why I asked you that question. Yes. <laughs> like, yes. that was, that's, that's phenomenal. Like, it's, yes. it's perfect. So you've talked a lot about Benny G. Thompson and the federal government and calling the president to task. What I would love the to former know, president, before, say, yes. the former president, the former, yes, yes. Uh -huh. let's be clear, yes. yes. Uh -huh. um, I want to know what you think the federal government could do to support institutions like yours. If there could be one yeah. thing, what's yeah. the thing? I think one thing is to give us infrastructure dollars okay. uh, on, a, on a consistent basis. If you think about these treasures, mm -hmm. the 107, mm -hmm. the reason they were built in the beginning, and the purpose they serve today, what they have become, they are treasures of this nation. And they all deserve to have the fiscal support for infrastructure, roofs, buildings, to make sure that our labs are state-of-the-art, to make sure that our students, uh, who are the value proposition, as I stated earlier, are getting the same experience in their own culture, mm -hmm. in their own environment, right. in an environment where they are embraced, where they are choosing to do their foundational learning. And so I think the federal government needs to and should, and we are steadily lobbying them uh, through many leaders, UNCF, uh, right. Thurgood Marshall, uh, some of the legislators. We cannot ever forget Alma Adams, who is the Honorable Alma Adams, who is pushing every day for the federal government to see the value uh, and to understand that this is a priority. We cannot lose these institutions. Right. When you look across the landscape and you think about all of the institutions, what would you say would be the biggest challenge, challenge facing HBCUs generally and maybe Tougaloo specifically? Funding. Okay. And I, I will go as far as we've talked about infrastructure funding, but now I will move over to Pell Grants for our students who are attending my institution and others, even private, uh, private white schools and public white schools. The Pell Grant was 50 years old this year. Right. You're familiar with that. We celebrated that and tried to lobby 
for the Pell Grant. So for those who are watching, the Pell Grant used to pay 75% or more of a student's tuition at a, a public school 50 years ago. Today, it's not even 13%. So think about the gap. Think about the single mother, black, white, Asian, Hispanic, who's thinking, I can't afford to send my kids to school because I cannot pay the gap. Mm -hmm. And if the student doesn't get a scholarship, he or she is making another choice about going to school. Are they working and going to school? We just looked at some data yesterday. The number of students who are working and going to school, the number of students who are having food insecurities, clothing insecurities. So on our campus, uh, we provide clothing for our students. We provide a food pantry for our students. We provide an emergency fund if you can't pay your rent. All they have to do is fill out a short application to get cash. But if they want to shop in our pantry or in the clothing closet, it's set up just like a grocery store and like a retail store. They just walk in, they pick up a bag, and they get what they want. And these are gently worn professional clothing okay. for um, interviews and internships. Not everyday clothing, right. not after five. This is all professional clothing for men and women that are provided uh, by our donors. That's so great. Mm -hmm. When you said we provide clothing, I was like, what? You know, that's, Absolutely. that's amazing. And it's if the clothes don't fit, we have partners who will do a little mending and making sure that they fit. We also allow, uh, we have several homeless students. Mm -hmm. We mm -hmm. will have in the summer more than 20 or 25 students who are homeless. And they will, we will allow them to stay in our residence halls over the summer mm -hmm. uh, so that they can continue to be focused on their internships and not have to worry about housing insecurity. Right, right. So how is it that you're able to provide such support, such wraparound services? You hear a lot about that in the K-12 space, but not as much in higher education. How are you able to understand that, know that, and get focused on that to do that for students? Well, I tell you, my background in the community college is more than 24 years. And in the community college, it's of and for the community. Mm -hmm. You're serving the hardest to serve populations. You're serving moms who have four kids and they're in college. You're serving dads mm -hmm. who are working two jobs and in college. But you're also serving that high school student who just left high school mm -hmm. and coming in. And you're serving some of those students who are caught up in the DACA. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, so when you come from an environment where you've had to provide those wraparound services, it's easy to step into another institution and see the need. Mm -hmm. Because now you're no longer blinded. Right. You see, okay, you're not telling me, but I can see the signs. Right. So let's provide this. And we had some students from a very large uh, private white institution, I will not call the name, who asked me that question. How do you know students need it? And we say, we don't know. We anticipate that they might need it. And I said, we'd rather anticipate that they need it and, and they don't, rather than they're needing it and we don't provide it. And they said, we wish our school did that. Mm. They assume we have, and all of us do not. So it's very important that we remain in touch. And that's the key to small schools. 
the many touches. Right. So 700 kids on my campus, they all have my cell. The faculty have my cell. They can text. I live on campus. I can call a student and say, I just saw you leave out of the gate. Where are you going? I thought you were at work today. Mm -hmm. um, how's your mom? You know, I can do that with our students. That's why they choose small, historically black colleges. Because when they look at me, they see a familiar face. They mm -hmm. see someone who looks like their aunt, who looks like their mom. Mm -hmm. I actually had a student one day, he said, Oh, Dr. Walters, I almost call you Teddy. <laughs> and I said, that's okay, baby. I'm going to be to you what you need. I'm going to be your bridge. I'm going to be your fence. I'm going to be your leaning post. Whatever you need me to be till you make it in America as a career-minded individual. Phenomenal. That's outstanding. I've got three more questions. Sure. And these questions are designed to get to know you just a little bit better. Mm -hmm. So my first one is, what practice or activity keeps you grounded? You know, I think one is God. Um, mm -hmm. And I don't mean church. Mm -hmm. What I mean when I say God, it's about this real spiritual connection that I've had from a child that my parents instilled in me and my grandparents. Uh, my mother's godfather and uncle was our pastor. And so we grew up going to church on Sunday morning and really having that understanding that no matter what you do, you must put God first if it's going to be worth doing. Mm -hmm. So that, that's the first thing. And I think the second thing is my family. My parents were uneducated in a sense. My dad went to the 10th grade mm -hmm. and my mother went to the fifth grade mm -hmm. and they had 13 children together. Oh, wow. And we were never on welfare because of their work ethic mm -hmm. and their beliefs. So we actually were well off enough with them working the way they did, where people would knock on our door and say, ask your mom, can she give me a cup of sugar? Right? Mm -hmm. We became uh, a real support to the community. And so my brothers and sisters are still uh, my community. And then I think, finally, it's the passion for what I do, um, helping students, working with students, especially in a historically black college that has so much history and so much, um, how do I say, realness mm -hmm. about issues in America and preparing students. So those three things, all wrapped up into one, mm -hmm. helps me to do what I do. Love that. What's the best life advice you've ever received? Hmm. I think the best life advice is to be balanced, you know, mm -hmm. just be balanced. When I um, was offered the position, went through the search, and they announced the position, my father was very ill, and I told him I'd gotten the job. And so they announced it in March, and my father died in April. Mm -hmm. And then uh, my husband and my daughter had cancer at the same time, mm -hmm. and my husband died six months later. 
we had moved into the president's house in September. He died in October. And then um, my daughter went into remission a year later. So I just began to focus on Tuvalu and to, you know, replace all of that grief and all of that with, okay, we got to do this, we got to do this, and let's get these students registered. And, and the best life advice came to me was that you have to allow yourself to grieve. Mm -hmm. And if you're not going to be whole, no one around you will be whole. Mm -hmm. And using that old adage of what they say on the airplanes, put the mask on you first. Yes. So that is the best life advice. Now, did I take it? It was a while. It took a while for me. Mm -hmm. Because as an African-American female, you know that we have this expectation that we live up to every day and we wear it like high heels. Mm -hmm. It's just what we do. It's right. who we are. So I've had to force myself to take this advice mm -hmm. to be balanced, allow myself to have some time to say you had an immeasurable loss. Mm -hmm. and you need to be able to address that. Mm -hmm. And so I'm still working through that. I understand. I understand. My last question. Mm -hmm. What's the one thing about Tougaloo that you wish more people knew? Hmm. I'm going to say, I wish students and parents and donors understood how Tougaloo is so worth the investment. Mm -hmm. If you put some volunteer hours in, the return is going to be so great. If mm -hmm. you invest cash into the institution, the return is so great. If students invest their time in getting an education, the return is so great. Mm -hmm. You cannot put, it, it's priceless what the return is. If I sat here and start to call names of people who said, I went to the summer science program at Tougaloo, not even the institution of higher ed, I went to the summer science program at Tougaloo, and that is why I'm a doctor today. Mm. Mm -hmm. When you think about Meharry Medical School, the dental school, mm -hmm. the lady who does all of the administrative leadership portion at the dental school said to me, I went to another college, but I became a doctor because I went to Tougaloo's summer science program. Talk about putting a price on that investment. Mm -hmm. You can't, on that outcome, you just can't put a price on it. Having a black female from the Delta named Sholithia Lee, who started in the Delta, this little black girl with dusty shoes, and now, is a partner in the Jones Day Law Firm, one of the largest law firms in the world. To think about a little black girl in Mississippi named Constance Slaughter Harvey, who learned how to be an activist at Tougaloo College, decided she was going to protest, was in a situation where the police were beginning to beat them 
in college. She calls on the payphone for Congressman Thompson. Come get us. He doesn't have a car. He takes the college's bus, goes to Jackson State, picks up all the students, brings them back to Tougaloo as the safe haven. She gets in trouble with her administrators, is not allowed to march because they stole the bus. Leaves at 17 years old, goes to law school at Ole Miss, becomes the first black female to graduate from law school and the first black female judge, and then sues the state of Mississippi their state police program in the early 70s that was looked upon like the Ku Klux Klan, sued them 50 years ago to say you will hire African Americans and open up that opportunity for all the southern states. Mm -hmm. How do you put a price on that outcome? So I want people to know Tougaloo is worth the investment of your time, your money, your energy. Students, give us your minds. We're worth the investment. I love it. Worth the investment. You all heard it here. Tougaloo is worth the investment. I don't know about you, but I have chills. Oh. I'm so hardened by this conversation. This has been outstanding. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for this opportunity. And thank you to the listening audience and those of you who want to support Tougaloo, go to tougaloo.edu and click give. <laughs> yes, click give. We, we could not leave without that. Absolutely. Thank you and see you next time. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of On the Yard, powered by the R.W. Jones Agency. R.W. Jones is the nation's only strategic communications and issues management firm explicitly focused on higher education, serving more than 50 colleges and universities nationwide. Check back for next week's episode of On the Yard, where we'll give you another dose of HBCU leadership and culture.